0: We have more early round players with health issues and early spring training surgers on our radar. Plus, we have rankings updates. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's- not had the uh, 3 go throughs yet. It works great three. in a fantasy league. I'm
1: just glad mm. I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The athletics.
0: Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, March 9th. Alan Melchior here with Derek Van Riper. DVR, you have updated your Mammoth rankings, um, which everybody should check out. We will get to that a bit later. But uh, as we've been starting off pretty much on a daily basis here, we do have injury news and we've got uh, a couple of really big names involved. Uh, we'll start with Justin Verlander. He was removed from his game on Sunday against the Mets with tricep soreness. And like a lot of these spring injuries, DVR, it was really soft-pedaled in reports as being precautionary. But I saw that word triceps and definitely felt a twinge of nervousness with this one. So uh, we obviously will hear more in the coming days. But what does this do for you as of right now?
1: It puts us into that state of limbo for at least the next few days until the Astros reveal a bit more in terms of a diagnosis here. I mean, soreness doesn't tell us a lot. If he's going to throw and play catch in the next couple of days and kind of resume normal activity, then we can probably brush it off sooner rather than later. But the problem this time of year is that we might have a draft on any given day and not having the the full Scope of of what's going on is a really difficult thing. And I think this is a problem that Verlander was dealing with back in 2015, and in that year he didn't debut until June. Now that's not to say this is exactly the same thing, but it's a similar case that you know it, it seemed precautionary at the time and ended up being somewhat serious. So. Uh, anything related to a pitcher's arm this time of year, I'm going to exercise a lot of caution. I think it's very simple, at least in terms of the first couple of rounds, the first two rounds, I think you just stay away. I think where it gets tricky is if you see Justin Verlander still sitting on the board in round four or round five of a draft before we have more information, you may be getting a discount that's just based on an actual precautionary removal. Um, And because he didn't have an arm injury last year, the way Chris sale did, you know, I think those types of things are are at the front of mind too, where it's like, we don't want to overreact to every little thing that happens in spring training because teams are going to be careful, but we don't want to be stupid and throw away a first or a second round pick on a guy who does have some kind of known issue. So finding that balance is really tricky in this case in particular, uh, if I were re-ranking again and, and pushing those out uh, tomorrow, I, I'd probably have Verlander at least down a couple of spots among starting pitchers just to kind of get things slightly adjusted for what could happen.
0: All right. Well, you, you kind of buried the lead there because that's that to me is sort of a big deal because I think there's consensus that you've got a big four that is its own tier. And then you've got a... For lack of a better term, a gaggle, because that's just the term that popped up for me, of uh, second tier pitchers that people have sort of ranked very differently. Uh, there's some consensus around Bueller being at the head of that tier, but to me that's kind of a big deal. If you're like you say, you're at the the third or the fourth round, you really want to get your ace at that point, and if you're looking at Bueller, Verlander, Flaherty, Bieber, Strasburg—you're looking at all those names potentially on the board, or at least some subset that includes Verlander. So you're saying it's not a gimme that that Verlander's the guy at that point?
1: No, it's not. So I had Bueller, Bieber, Strasburg, Flaherty, and Kershaw as the next five, right behind Justin Verlander, who's my fourth-ranked pitcher when the updated rankings went up. I would drop Verlander behind Kershaw, so he'd still be in the top ten for me. And even then, like when the clock's actually running, when I actually have to make that commitment, I could see myself going with one of the healthier alternatives. But at least in that range, that would put him right next to Blake Snell, who had an arm injury last year. It put him in the same cluster as Chris Paddock, and Lucas Giolito, and Mike Clevenger, who's working his way back from an injury and is likely to miss some time when the season begins as well. So I just think that's a, a fair comp based on what we know right now. And that could prove to be a nice discount, but... Yeah. Why expose yourself to that extra injury risk? It's something we've come back to many times in this show.
0: Yeah. Well, one more question because it's the particulars of these situations. I mean, like you said, we come back to these types of issues. We don't want to overreact, but I think there's a common theme of you know what's our what are our rules of thumb in these situations. So, with Verlander, what hold would hold more weight for you um, with that sort of dilemma? Is it that you see him as being? basically part of that second tier or close enough to it, even when 100% or is it more? Or is there more weight on the concern over the health issue itself that creates a legitimate discount?
1: It's just more weight on the health concern itself. I have okay. really no doubts at all about his skills at this point. I think he belongs in that big four, even with the age. I mean, we see Max Scherzer hanging up there as well and I think there is, or at least was prior to this injury, uh, a reason to have kind of a, a little tear break coming out of the first round. Four potential first-round pitchers in Garrett Cole, Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, and Justin Verlander, and then you get to that second round. That's when Bueller, Bieber, Flaherty, Strasburg, Kershaw, in some order, those guys start to fall off. So I I think this is all 100% health-related.
0: All right. All right. Uh, Well, that definitely clarifies uh, the rules of thumb for that uh, particular type of situation. Uh, Gary Sanchez, he's been in the news a bit for a few days now with some back issues, but the uh, update on Sunday that we got is that those issues have actually been going on for a little while this spring. Uh, It's not just something from the last few days uh, on and off back issues for him. So he is currently a distinct second in ADP among catchers, but he's quite far behind JT Real Muto. I mean, there's really no no controversy there in terms of who the number one catcher is. He's about 30 spots behind, depending on which uh, set of ADPs that you're looking at. Do you think that injury risk with Sanchez, since it was certainly perceived to be there before these back issues, do you think that the injury risk for him is baked into that ADP and that without that risk he and real Muto would be more neck and neck, or do you think that this is a situation that merits another discount?
1: I think it's already baked in for the most part. I mean, it sounds like there's a chance that Sanchez will return to grapefruit league play on Tuesday. So this seems like a legitimate preventative maintenance sort of thing, but past injuries are definitely worth bringing up here. We're talking about a guy who was limited to 106 games in 2019 and just 89 games in 2018. We saw the batting average bottom out at one eighty six in that twenty eighteen season. A part of me just wonders too: like, are we ever going to get that full healthy season? I think if people expected it, it would be an A or B sort of thing, where Sanchez would be priced right next to JT Realmuto, as he suggested, because there is so much more power in Gary Sanchez's bat. He's in a hitter friendly environment. He's in a better lineup than Realmuto. So while Realmuto could beat him in batting average by fifty or sixty points in any given year. I think 500 plate appearances from Gary Sanchez could lead to 40 home runs and maybe even 100 RBIs, which is just uh, an unreachable level for most catchers. You just you don't see that happen.
0: All right, yeah. So that that's pretty much what I was suspecting is that there's really no adjustment uh, necessary here. This is not really a. Uh... While it's maybe a newish issue, uh, not one that really should move the needle. Uh, There are a couple of other uh, situations uh, that we need to just sort of keep tabs on here, although we're... uh, uh short on details at this point. Willie Calhoun was hit by a Julio Arias pitch uh, in uh, to the mouth on Sunday, and he has been diagnosed with a fractured jaw, but there will be further evaluation uh, taking place on Monday. So I'm sure we'll be circling back to that story uh, in the next day or two. And also, uh, Trey Mancini uh, is going to be uh, unavailable. He is undergoing a non-baseball medical procedure. There's been no further details issued in regard to that uh, but it's really just more of a heads up of a of a story that is uh, unfolding uh, at this point so um DVR it's you know we're in the right in the midst of spring training here we are less than three weeks away from opening day a lot of teams uh, maybe i think all of them probably have made their first set of cuts so it's getting real as much as spring training gets real <laughs> but uh, as much as we urge people not to pay attention to spring training stats we're going to cite a whole bunch of them over the next few minutes, and I rather quickly, maybe not quite rapid fire, but I just you know sort of quick impressions. Uh, I'm going to read out a bunch of uh, players, cite a few of their stats, and I want to get your impression on how much there is to actually take seriously here. And uh, the the way I would put it is, are we getting Nicasio'd? Because four years ago, Juan Nicasio had this fantastic uh, spring training with the Pirates. At the end of it, he came away with a rotation spot. I spent a ridiculous amount of money on him in the first week of FAB. And that was pretty much the peak of Nicasio season right there, like week one. So (laughs) uh, (laughs) let's try to help people avoid my error. Um, from four years ago, which doesn't bother me at all anymore. Uh, so let's start with uh, Isaiah kondor He's batting 419 with four home runs already. Rangers seem to like him. He's versatile. He can catch. But uh, is there anything here?
1: I think he's just a clear backup sort of catcher. And you know, maybe if Robinson Chirinos is going to play less in 2020 than he did each of the last two seasons, they could end up in some kind of split. Like That could happen. I've just never really been a, a Kiner falefa believer. I, I've always kind of looked at him as a guy that just doesn't hit enough. Like he's versatile and he's he's young, so maybe there's still uh, room for some growth. But even last season, he averages 86.9 miles per hour in terms of average exit velocity. So not a lot of punch there. Uh, I think he's a better real life player
0: than a fantasy player. All right, Ryan McBroom. And by the way, I I'd like to get a nickname going for him. Like, couldn't he be like Sweepy McBroom? Or Broomie McBroomface, or something like that. I think
1: Broomie McBroomface is what they would call him, uh, where Joey Mellows is from.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Broomie McBroomface is batting 345 with three home runs. Mm, yeah.
1: And you seem I, overwhelmed. I'm just, I'm not seeing it. Uh, he's 27. He's Just a typical, like, first base only kind of potential masher but even his limited chances last year with the royals 84.9 for the average exit velocity i mean that's worse than connor falefa who i don't like at all so (laughs) um, i'm I'm not on mcbroom i mean 30 percent k rate last year when he debuted as well i think the royals can shuffle things around i think we're gonna see a lot of hunter dozier at first base as a result things around yeah they're 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 gonna sweep mcbroom off the roster at some point this season
0: all right orlando arcia Brewers alert, 304, five big home runs.
1: Yeah, he's been on fire. I mean, it's it's pretty wild to see it. Uh, I've been tricked by Orlando Arcia many times before. I think having Luis Urias there maybe has lit a fire under him, and and perhaps there are some some tangible swing changes that have taken place. Uh, we did see a little more in terms of, of average exit velocity from him last year. I think he's a super utility guy, though. I think playing time is going to be an issue, and you know, as long as Urias is healthy, I think RC is going to start about three games a week instead of the usual five to six that he was getting year over year for the last three seasons.
0: All right, that's not going to help the power production much. Uh, Travis DeMeritt, uh 308 with four home runs. Uh, it's been talked about as maybe uh, somebody who now could be the 26th man, which is not, that doesn't sound very fantasy relevant, but, you know, you gotta go open the door crack first. So is this a you know possible you know stepping stone or gateway to bigger things? Yeah, I think he's got
1: the clearest path to playing time. Uh, he's got flaws, tons of swing and miss in his game. I think that's been the case ever since he really became a pro. And uh, the Tigers have so little resistance there on the depth chart. Uh, I think the weird thing was I was at a game last Saturday. It was a game where he was hitting ninth in spring training on the road, which was just like, what? Isn't this guy a part of your plan? Like, why don't you want to get him more plate appearances? And there were some bad players hitting in front of him in that lineup. So that spooked me a little, but he's certainly doing everything he can to carve out a role. And they should just see what they have. I mean, give him, give him six weeks, give him eight weeks, see what happens. Like, you're not going anywhere this season anyway if you're the Tigers. And uh, compared to the other guys we've talked about, none of the other guys hit the balls hard as Travis DeMeritt did last year. So there's at least some kind of, like, power potential there to get excited about.
0: All right, are we going to get Brinson? Another good spring for him so far. Four hundred with three home runs.
1: I'm starting to think that hanging out with Nano Dufino more often and, and hosting a <laughs> podcast with him every Wednesday uh, is is starting to make me like the Marlins more than I probably should. But with <laughs> Brinson, I mean the, the strikeouts are down this spring, and I think that's really interesting to me. I think he played hurt for a good chunk of last year. He has shown good exit velo numbers in the past. He has shown the ability to take walks. At various points in the past. And they've got James Rawson, the new hitting coach there, who had a lot of success in Minnesota. Uh, so I'm kind of optimistic about Brinson. I think at this point, if you're in a 15 team league, you could make him one of your very last picks. If it doesn't work out, cut him loose. But he's a good enough defender to earn playing time and to stick in the lineup frequently. So I'm intrigued. I think there actually could still be something
0: there. All right. All right. And uh, real quick, I'm just going to lump three pitchers who are off to really great starts together, all with 12 strikeouts. Dakota Hudson, Nathan Avaldi, Justice Sheffield. And Avaldi and Sheffield have done it in just eight innings. Hudson in 12.1. But for him, that's an enormous upgrade. Not really a strikeout guy previously. So Hudson, Ivaldi, Sheffield, which one is most exciting or relevant for you?
1: I think it's actually just as Sheffield. I think there's a lot of debate as to whether he's actually going to be a starter long term or not. But I see him as the most intriguing of the three because I actually believe in that strikeout potential. Evaldi probably has the best floor for strikeouts, but he has the most injury risk having uh, multiple arm surgeries already on the ledger. So Evaldi is just kind of a guy that I'm out on this year. I could see the case for Hudson as well, but I'm not trusting the strikeout rate that we're seeing from him this spring at all.
0: Small samples, spring training, all that stuff. you got to take that into account. And uh, just to wind things up here, we go to our featured reading, and it's from, well, it's from you, DVR, uh, Fantasy Baseball Rankings, Top 300 Hitters, Top 200 Pitchers, the March Update. Uh, So who, maybe just uh, one or two or three guys uh, that were relatively big movers, uh, and what made the difference for you for those players?
1: So the two biggest movers among hitters are actually Chris Davis, Oakland's Chris Davis, of course, ah. and Miguel Andujar. Um, I was just looking at the the UT-only players in great detail last week and thinking about Davis trying to play through an injury last year. And I think that was a big part of why he struggled as much as he did. Uh, so I bumped him up. I like the lineup around him. His path to playing time is safe. I think he compares very favorably to Reese Hoskins at this point. And in previous uh, issues of the ranks, he was much lower And Duhar's playing time just keeps opening up because the Yankees are already banged up. Judge is hurt. Stanton is hurt. And Duhar can hit, too. I mean, when you look back at what he did in 2018, high average, plenty of power, run production should be there because of the lineup he's in. What's not to like? And he should start to qualify at positions at some point this season. It may take a bit longer because of the injured outfielders uh, now like leaving that DH spot open for him but I think Miguel Duhar was one of the most underrated players in the first three months of draft season.
0: All right, very cool. Well, there's a couple nuggets for you to take with you, but uh, check out the whole rankings, and they're 500 deep from uh, Derek Van Riper. And uh, on that note, we're going to uh, wind up this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball in 15 and everything that we do is part of that subscription and if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review we would certainly appreciate it if you took the time to do that so for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier we will be right back here on Tuesday.